Welcome to Probably Science. I'm Matt Kirshen. I'm Andy Wood. Hey, Andy. Hello uh, again. Let's just jump in. Let's introduce our guest who... I, I'm, I'm even trying to work out where in the world she is right now, because this is Steph Tolev, who normally lives relatively near to me, and then last thing I saw, she was on a lake in Canada, and now apparently isn't there either. Hey, Steph. Hi, how are you? I'm good. I, I was thoroughly enjoying your dispatches from the woods. Yeah, I got a little carried away up there. My parents really don't like filming those things for me. I was up at, uh, I'm, a, I'm in Toronto, but the, uh, their cottage is like an hour and a half north of Toronto, northeast. What's the place called? It's on a lake called Eels Lake, and there's no eels. It's shaped like an eel. I have to explain this to everybody because they're like, ew, you swim with eels. I'm like, no, but that would be kind of... <laughs> so, yeah, when this thing, when everything's kicked off, you just sort of fled back to Canada bringing a huge number of costumes and wigs as far as i can tell <laughs> yeah. i mean i'm not gonna lie i i panicked pretty bad and i packed and uh i booked a flight and i had three hours to pack and leave so i don't know why but i packed more wigs and mustaches than i did underwear or anything else really so um i immediately had to buy underwear when i got here my dad tried making me wear his which got very weird and i hated it <laughs> He showed me his underwear. He said, like, these are the ones. And like, pulled his pants down. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing right now? He's like, well, not these ones. I have clean ones. I'm like, get your fucking loose dick out of my face right now. It's been a lot. It's, it's been a lot to live with your family. I brought my dog, though. I did bring my 55-pound golden retriever with me. So she's loving oh. life. I will say that. Yeah, Susan's having a blast. I'm Googling and oh, searching yeah. Eels Lake, and it seems like a pretty delightful place to be. It is nice. It is very nice. It seems uh, like a pretty delightful place for a golden retriever to be exploring for. I'd imagine the first time. Is this Susan's first trip up there? It was, but then there was a situation. She got a little too obsessed with the water, and she got a really bad case of hot spots. Do you guys know what that is? It's where, like, with dogs have, like, two layers of fur, whatever. The bottom layer gets infected and a bacteria causes, and, like, her whole face and neck were, like, open sores. So we had to leave the cottage. So we've been home now for three weeks because I'm like, I can't risk her going through that again because she was on meds for a while and it was bad. Like she couldn't itch them because it would bleed everywhere. It was a lot. She's also gotten her period on this trip. A lot has happened to her. She's grown up from a puppy to a real woman. There's a lot. (laughs) I let her free bleed all over my parents' house and they really didn't like that. I can see why. Yeah. I don't know if you guys ever had a dog that goes through heat before. I've never had this. So it's, um, it's more than you think. Yeah. Oh, I, by the way, I forgot. If you fix a female dog, do they still have a version no. of heat? Or okay, it's completely they do not. It's but it's, uh, yeah. since this is a science podcast, apparently there's been a lot of scientists doing research on uh, retrievers, especially golden retrievers, that if you get them spayed before two years, they're more, more prone to get into stomach cancer or like oh. a cancer in the ovaries and stuff. And apparently, it's like a big thing. So when I got her from the breeder, yes, and a pile of shit, I did not adopt her. When I purchased my animal. Um, Everyone in Los Angeles fucking hates me for it, but yeah. You didn't I have to admit something. that on here, yeah. Uh, you know what? I do, and jokes on me because she also needs surgery because she has a big vagina. She has like a hooded labia. <laughs> this is real. She apparently has like a, a an extra layer of skin on her vagina that doesn't need to be there, so she's got a big fat vagina, pretty much in regular people's terms. Anyways, so she's it's a lot going on. She's got a big puss. She bled everywhere. But yeah, there, it's been proven that if you get your dog spayed after two years, it really lowers their chance of cancer and extends their life. So obviously, I'm going to try to do that. 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Why wouldn't I? I'll deal with her bleeding. And then at one point, my mom got so mad, she gave me an old pair of her like lacy leopard print underwear to use for the dog. And <laughs> shockingly, she actually really enjoyed them and kept them on. But it, it was perverted. I don't know if you guys ever had to like pull down a pair of underwear off your golden retriever's hindquarters. You mm-hmm. actually feel like Crystalia. You feel like a fucking pig. And I really, I really, everything's just going to be in reference to him now. Anything remotely disgusting, I'm just throwing his name into the mix. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think that, I think that, I think that one's that a pretty safe. Um, I don't think there's a lot of people who are like hemming and hawing about about that case, whether it's something we can all get on board with. Not anymore. I think people were hesitant at first. The first week people were kind of scared. But now that it's like really come out, he's like, yeah. Which yeah, uh, no good. Just taking it back to the more important Sorry. story yeah, for yeah, a second. Yeah. Um, was it just the one pair of sort of exotic underwear that the dog was wearing, or yes. did you did you have a rotation? No, I had the one pair, and then my dad was giving me his old pads because my dad used to have prostate cancer. He's fine; he talks about it all the time, but he kept all his his old man pads. So I had, a, <laughs> I had my dad's dick pads and my mom's <laughs> old underwear, and I'm like, this is my fucking life now, like. This is this is this is who I am. I this is what I've done for the last three months, and I'm like I'm pretty over it. I'm not gonna lie, but yeah, I'd have to wash them quite. And a lot of blood came out. It was it was way more than you'd think. People say it's like a drip or two, and it was way more. Hmm. This is a um, lot to tell everybody on this, <laughs> I mean, but I feel like it's, it's sciencey, isn't it? It is. It is. It's, it's is. outside of most of our experience. I think. Well, along the, along that same line, we'd like to ask our guests before we get into the stories for the week. Um, what, what, if anything, is your background in science, Steph? And that's that's ranged from classes that people liked or hated or a teacher that they liked at school or or uh, they used to blow stuff up in the woods with their friends or whatever. I Okay, I guess I used to catch t- toads and salamanders when I was a kid. I, I'd make them little houses. Half of them would die, okay. and I feel bad about it now. Uh, I took biology in high school and one biology course in college that I think I failed. But in, I really liked high school class because my teacher was uh, also my lacrosse coach, and he played for the Rochester team professionally, and he was 27 and hot as shit. So I really <laughs> paid attention in that class, mostly because it was on his ass. But in general, absolutely zero science background at all. I highly That's- danced my whole life competitively, so I, unless there was science involved in the kill to the bagpipes, I don't really know anything about it. Is is a, is Highland dancing? Um, does that involve clogs? Or I, I could confuse no. a bunch of my okay. Kilts is and it, bagpipes, Scottish dancing. Like it's not Lord, Lord of the Lord, Dance. It's not. Um, it's, no, Lord of the Dance. It, I explain it where their feet are turned forward, and Highland, all your feet and legs are turned out. If that feet, makes any sense, your to feet you. are tur- like uh, uh, Lord of the Dance is like pigeon toed, and you're like no, ten, no, ten no, and twos. They're, they're like straight ahead. Like all their moves, their feet are pointed straight ahead. But if you like Google Highland, all their knees are like turned to the side and their feet are always in. It's called first position where their feet are turned out. Okay. And it sets, it sets a, sets a bagpipe music. Yes. Would you do like competitions for this? I did. I I did compete till I was 18 and I did take the bagpipes for a year and I did compete in a competition and came dead last. So turns out wasn't very good at the bagpipe. Wasn't bad at dancing, but. Not and are, the, are these competitions? Are, is this the same thing Kurt Brunner did, or did he do Lord of the Dance stuff? Because he was competitive. I, I know think he did Irish dancing. Yes, I think he did Irish. Okay. Yeah. It, so did Charlene your... Conley. Charlene's oh, Irish. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yes, she did. Like a fesh that is a that is Irish that is not. Highland, yeah, that's right? that's Irish. It it, okay. it does look kind of similar, but it's it's not. 
Okay. It's how Irish how did you end up in the? Because we we were talking before the just before recording about how your family is Bulgarian. Mm-hmm. That's where yeah. the the Todov name is. How did how did the whole Highland dance thing end up? Oh yeah, nobody your... in my family is Scottish. My mom started teaching it uh, when she was nineteen years old. So my grandma kind of forced her to get into it, and then my mom became a professional dancing teacher. And then me and my sister had no choice but to dance from the age of three to eighteen. It was a lot were of they, my life. Were they already in Canada at that point? Oh yeah, my mom's from okay. here, but my dad, well, my dad, both my parents are born here, but my grandparents were arranged marriage from Bulgaria. Wow, mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. and they, it, it worked. I guess it usually no, works. No, doesn't no, it? it works more often than you. No, no, no they oh, okay. <laughs> it usually does work. This was like a, a case where it did not work, but it, yeah, it uh, it didn't work. It's kind of, I don't know how it ever works. Like you get a photo of someone, you're like, this is who you're going to marry, and then you get on a boat for three weeks, and you're just like, I, I, I wonder what, what your thought process is, just sitting there. Being like, I'm going to meet a stranger, and this is the man I must fuck. Like, I don't understand. Very strange. Yeah, I was gonna. When you take out the fucking part, it's not as crazy. But yeah, when you add <laughs> fucking, you're right. But like, it's also just a paradigm shift of like, we in the West have, uh, you know, this different idea of what marriage is. If you never had that idea, then you wouldn't be mad that it wasn't that. You know, if if it was always a thing that's like, this is what we do. I don't know. I, I, yeah. I don't mean to advocate for something that's probably pretty oppressive, but you know, there's also a fair amount of data that shows that 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 works because you don't have i don't know there's something about having I don't options know. I, i'd also say like works is a loosely defined term that's equally sure, sure if if by works you mean doesn't doesn't you know, they stay together <laughs> that's also because the societies that have arranged marriages also have strong taboos about not about oh, yeah. divorce and oh yeah up. they oh yeah half my Baba, her name, that's Bali from Grandma. Half of Baba's family had disowned her after they got divorced, like his side, because they're like, she didn't keep up her side of the bargain and whatever. Which is pretty wild. What? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was, I'll, I'll take back everything I said because I don't actually have all that data. And I don't want to sound, I can see someone being like, you're advocating for this thing that oppresses, like, well, okay, yes, it's, it does sound crazy. It did, it did um, get her out of Bulgaria, which I think is better. It's much better in Canada than it is there, but. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't know if they still do it. I'm getting to the point where I might need arranged marriage. I'm like, <laughs> Tinder's not working. Maybe just ship some man over here to me, and we'll see how that goes. Well, there are some interesting. Uh, do I even want to go down this road? <laughs> if, if you look at if you look at matching people up as just an economic exchange, there are some interesting outcomes from having a pretty what's common in the West now, you know, which is less of an emphasis on monogamy. Then you end up with. With these, these things where like you'll have a, a small number of people with a lot of choices, a large number of people vying for that small number who are unhappy, then a large number who are, like, if you talk about it too much, you start to like <laughs> defend, um, some right wing talking points, which are crazy, but like you're like, oh yeah, I do see how not having an emphasis on monogamy does end up with a lot of people not getting, it's, you it's me like, what's next? People marrying their dogs in their right. sexy underwear? But I guess I would say like it's about <laughs> it's about spreading good. spreading an equal amount of misery over everyone as opposed to some people having a lot of um, choices and a lot of people having none and being very unhappy. You know, does mm-hmm. that make any sense without going into detail? I, I, don't know. I think so. <laughs> Forget it does, it. but also I'm not sure I'm not I'm not sure the numbers work out either because if you're talking about like some people having multiple relationships, but then they're also having relation multiple relationships with other people who are also for the most part having multiple relationships. So that's just like a whole group of the population that you can corner off and just go like, all right, they have 
their relationship network is more complex, but they're just their own category. And then you've got another little section that you can rope off, and that's like a monogamy graph of people. Yeah, I guess I was more saying, God, this is so dumb. Because I, I was just curious <laughs> when everyone was like, are you really saying that it's women's fault that they didn't sleep with incels when like the Isla Vista shooting happening happened? And like, no, the, the people who were t t looking at dating as an economics thing were not saying women have any obligation to sleep with anybody. But they were just saying, if we move towards a system where monogamy is completely devalued across the board, this is drawing with completely broad strokes. But you could see a situation in which you have a small number of hyper-eligible men, for instance, who have their choice of partners and have no reason to settle down with any one of them. You have a number of women vying for the attention of those elites. But wouldn't then, you also have a small number of hyper-eligible women vying for I mean, with if, multiple... If you really don't think there's any difference in how mate selection goes by gender, but I, I think there is. I mean, is that a crazy thing to say? No, I, th I think there is an imbalance. But if you're talking about communities like that, I think that that actually, if anything, would even out the balance. Well, I, but I'm, I'm saying I don't think that there is such a situation where, like, I, you know, <laughs> I think there's a reason why the the Bachelor was created before the Bachelorette, if that makes sense. Right. Just again, yeah, I'm, I'm painting with very broad strokes, <laughs> and I shouldn't go down this road because it sounds like I'm saying, forget it. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not actually advocating that we we all should get married at 22. I think that also creates misery. But there's an argument to be made that that sort of spreads out an equal amount of misery in the whole populace, as opposed to like some people having, as opposed to kind of a winner take all economy of of dating and partnership. Look, we get it. You just want to fuck around, Andy. Just say it. You no, I'm saying, what I'm saying is the opposite, aren't I? I'm saying we should all be locked up with with people at 22 in arranged marriages, almost. If we want to have an equal, an equitable share of happiness and misery spread across the population. Is this but science? Like, no, I mean well, it's economics, <laughs> yeah. but like it's also very unfounded by data and very about like just doesn't that kind of make sense? But um, I might delete that whole last three minutes. We'll see. <laughs> I think you should leave it in, and then if I think we've got any uh, any people who specialize, listeners who specialize in the economics of fucking, yeah, right in. <laughs> yeah, we, I, you know, I think there's graph theory going on here. What is graph we're, theory? It's it's a branch of mathematics. It's related to combinatorics. Okay. It's basically, uh, the the very the very first uh, graph theory problem was Euler's bridges of oh god what town oh, is yeah. it? Something ending in Berg and starting with a K. Yeah, maybe? Konigsberg is that it? Yeah, I think that's where right. it's basically. Can you cross all these bridges without doubling back on any? Exactly. You know, the town has these multiple bridges that cross these multiple rivers, and like, can you? Can you draw a path that goes through all of them without going over the same pencil mark twice? Um, or without, can you walk around the town crossing all of the bridges without, without at any point retracing your steps? And the answer is no, but the proof of it took Euler and then a, a branch of mathematics was formed out of it. And, it's and it not... relates to combinatorics as well, which, you know, just the multi, the different ways you can com select things from a group and combine things from a group. And is the topology is kind of, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Related is. to that or not? It, yeah, it, it's, it all comes into the same sort of world. Like the the colors on a map, is that... That's never been yeah. proven, right? The map thing? That has been proven, oh, although it's not a very satisfying proof. It was it was proven about, I'm going to say 20 years ago, but it was a computer proof. This, Steph, this, this problem was... Um, it had existed for years, for a long time. It's the four-color graph theory, and it's... 
the the idea is you can you can color in any map using at most four different color pencils. So if you, if you picture like a political and, and, map and have, and have, have no, no uh, adjacent have no borders ha- share a color is the exactly other thing. yeah oh, so if okay. you picture like a political map or like you know a map of states or counties or whatever so you know you've got the area and it's divided into sections of different weird shapes you and you want to color it in so that at no point do two different neighboring areas share the same color you need at most four colors um, to color any map. Um, and that has been proven, but it was a, it's, I don't know. I don't think it's the most satisfying proof because it was, it was, it was proven using computers a while back. Just a brute force kind of thing? Yeah, I mean, a, brute, a combination of brute force and some very intelligent mathematics and some finesse. But, you know, they used some quite smart tech, some very clever techniques to work out the different numbers of things you need to check. But then it involved using a computer. Yeah. It does take um, a long time to color in. I don't know if you guys did that in uh, geography class. We had to color in a map. We had to outline Canada. Like, that was, like, all I did. Like, that's all I remember doing was just coloring it properly. Well, I can tell you, you needed at most four different color pencils or crayons or whatever you were okay. using that day. Yeah, Canada <laughs> seems like a hard... Um, I mean, you're saying you colored in an outline of it, but if you didn't have the outline, I would imagine Canada's a pretty tricky oh, country yeah, to, to no draw way. freehand. No, no, the top... Part two, like all the like little whatever up the Northwest Territories and all the little those little islands and stuff up there. I don't know what's going on. Yeah, I'm oh, yeah, where it's in basically right full it's... going into the Arctic Circle and it's all just is it land or is it just like chunks of ice that count as land? Yeah, I don't know if anyone even goes up there. I truly don't know what happens uh, north of the cottage. I uh, I try to keep <laughs> I try to keep it down here. Don't want to go too far. Did... Did you guys travel throughout Canada growing up much? Did you make trips out west? Yeah, or? Um, for dancing, actually. we Every oh. uh, every summer, there's a different province with a host, like the Canadians, it was called. So I, I, pre- I think I've been to every province except um, PEI. Oh, which yeah. isn't that far from you, right? No, it's the, yeah, it's the far east coast. It's like the smallest little, tiniest yeah. little, little guy. Over I there. have been to PEI. I've got one bit of Canadian... Geography over you. Oh wow! Well, well, well. Yeah. How was it? Uh, it was fine. <laughs> yeah. It was perfectly pleasant. They were very nice. They laughed at the right places. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. you can hope for from an audience, or from a people. Um, I just put a story that I just found in the chat box there, and um, because you know it seems relatively relevant to the various things we've been talking about. Sled dogs are an ancient breed going back at least 10,000 years. I just found this on New Scientist. Um, the 9,500-year-old remains of a dog found on a remote island off of Siberia are remarkably similar to living sled dogs in Greenland, genome sequencing has revealed. The discovery shows that people bled, uh, sorry, bred dogs for pulling sleds more than 10,000 years ago. Uh, Mikkel Sinding at the University of Copenhagen said, We thought it would be a primitive dog, but it's a long way down the path to domestication. That was quite sensational. Excavations of human settlements on Zokov Island, north of Siberia, have revealed the remains of numerous dogs and what looked like dog sleds. It's the first place in history where you have intense dog use, <laughs> Sindig says. That's, uh, that's quite the phrase. I just want to intense pause for a second use, and just yeah. let that sink in. <laughs> 
intense dog use. Um, I don't know. Have you intensely used a dog, either of you? I, I've petted too hard. Is that intense dog use? I, I mean, like fetching. You know, oh, and- yeah. Running a dog ragged, fetching. Have you ever gone dog sledding? No, I think people do it still in Canada. I'm sure they do. I'm sure they do in the States, too. I've never known. I, I always feel like it looks mean and bad, but if I don't know. I don't really understand the yeah, whole I thing. Don't, I don't think it is mean. I, like, I think, because whenever I've seen footage of it, it looks like, you know, the dogs have been bred for that, and they seem to really enjoy it. Like, yeah. they they seem to really like running. Yeah, they, they do yeah, like you, you could, uh, being outside, so I did that they have that. I'm sure it's crueler to take one of those dogs and have it pent up in like a Manhattan apartment, for instance, than to have it working all day pulling a sled. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Whenever I see a dog bigger than a chihuahua in New York, I'm like, what are you fucking doing? Like, there's yeah. no way you're walking that St. Bernard 300 times a day like it needs to be when it's living in that <laughs> space. Right. Whereas, you know, if you happen to live up in Anchorage and... Or even further north, if you, you know, I can see, uh, like, yeah, I, I, whenever I see the, well, it's like, I, you know, I've got friends who've got various working dogs, not, not huskies or anything like that, but dogs that are a working breed. And it always amazes me how much they just need to work. Yeah, I think, yeah, like, I think feels- also, yeah, if they're bred to do that, that's what they, that's what they need to do. But I'm just yeah, like used it, to having like it feels cruel like giving them jobs. But if you don't, they're like I I need to work. I need to be. They're they're like weird workaholic dogs. They have to be. If they don't have a job, they get really angsty. Yeah, I've only had golden retrievers, and they just love sleeping. So right now, my dog's just staring at me sleeping. So I could not picture her dragging a sled. She'd see something sparkly and then chase it, and then the sled would fall off a cliff or something. Um, but yeah, I feel like I feel like those dogs. Yeah, I've seen like. A, I'm on TikTok like a sick pig, but I've seen a lot of dogs like <laughs> catching like like geese in the water. Like someone just like the owner points to it and then come back holding a dead dog. I'm like, that's crazy. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of weird shit on that. That's on TikTok. Oh yeah, there's a lot of wild shit on there. I I haven't dipped into the world of TikTok in the slightest. I'm very unaware of it, other than you know. What it's um people on the news have told me about it and occasionally seeing things that have been transferred to YouTube or Twitter. Yeah, it's very strange. I don't really understand how the algorithm works, but uh I think if you watch one thing once or twice and you watch it the whole video it thinks that that's what you like. So I've got a lot of a lot of disfigured humans that are missing several limbs. I don't know how I got this uh, as something that I enjoy looking at, but every time I go on TikTok now, like yesterday I watched a video of this guy who like tried to kill himself. They didn't show that part, but like this kid that tried to kill himself, but it, he wasn't successful. And now his face is like pretty much halfway gone. And now every time I, I open TikTok, he's there and I'm not even following him. I'm like, I don't know what, what is going on right now. It's a lot. Is and he, is he just like syncing? Yeah. No, he, so oh, he's songs? dancing. Yeah, he's, he got, he got really fit. <laughs> he went from like being a scrawny kid to now he's severely jacked and he's like, Reteaching himself how to speak. It's a lot. I mean, it's not, not interesting. I do, I do like watching it. I don't know why. It's a sick thing to watch, but that or like, I'm seeing very strange things come up. A lot of animal stuff. And then, yeah, it's, I don't like it. I don't like the app. And then what, I don't what like are you putting on your TikTok? Because like, I've seen some of the stuff on your Instagram or Twitter. Is it this? Are you just yeah, sort of same cross-posting? Shit. Oh, yeah. Okay. I, I'll do some of their like stupid like dance videos, but I don't want my <laughs> friends to see it. So I'll keep those on TikTok. I'm like, 
no one needs to know that I'm doing these 14 year old trends uh, and like <laughs> and not doing as well as them, which is the worst part. Yeah, it's uh, I don't I don't know. I, I can't I have more followers on it than anything else even combined. So I'm like, I can't get rid of it now, but it, it makes me very upset. Okay, I'm finally opening TikTok. I only ever open it when like I have a text thread with high school friends who once a week will send some dumb thing on there and I'll click on it. But um, yeah, that's it's really all it is. And it's like some stuff you're like, how is this even viral? And then it's going to piss you off as a comedian being like, oh, I've spent how much stage time doing like building a joke or writing it and becoming a a funny comedian. Then some idiot like goes slap my butt mom and it's got like three million views and i'm like what the fuck is going on it makes you more it, angry than anything else it's such a weird well would you andy were you with us i i was that i can't remember whether you were with us when we did the um it was one of the escape rooms we did it was that one that was the uh sort of the cannibal themed escape room were you with us for no, that one was that a real that wasn't an, a virtual that was an irl that was back back when we could do escape rooms in person and be touched. No, and can't touch doesn't, doesn't sound familiar. Um, but uh, there was a group of it was a there was a birthday party of like teenage girls. I'm guessing probably 14, 15 years old, and they were also doing they were doing one of the other escape rooms in the same buildings, and we were just in the waiting room together. And just before they went into the room, they set up a camera on on a chair on the other side of the room and then all got into a group of the five of them in a, in a formation and just did a dance for 30 seconds and then press stop. And like, that was, <laughs> they, they just did this Amazing. in the middle of this sort of public waiting room where we're also just waiting to play this escape room game. And it's just like, that's just what they do. Now you, you you're there with your girlfriends, you're, you're 40, you're all 14 or having your 15th birthday and you set up your camera and you do a dance and then you put it on TikTok and, then your friends comment of and that's, the, yep. of that's the, how of, 14 15 year olds interact these days yeah of, of all the awful things smartphones have done to us and to society that's probably the most benign like that, oh it, it's it, super benign. it was to be honest it was a delight it was it was really charming like we were all just watching it going like this is you know what what a strangely wholesome but also absolutely unself-conscious thing yeah i wish i was that unself-conscious that's it's great. also <laughs> yeah it's also for i'm finding it i'm getting way less trolls on on it i don't know if like because they're kids i've only had i've only had to delete like maybe five comments now and on my youtube and I'm like i had to disable half the comments because i'm getting like death threats but uh on on tiktok it's usually like nice comments which is wild. Like, I'll make a joke about being ugly, and then three women will be like, you're beautiful in my eyes, and then a bunch of people like it. I'm like, oh, this is kind of nice. <laughs> but then I had a, a 12-year-old girl troll me the other day on one of my stand-up clips. She said, this is why men don't find women funny. And I lost uh. my fucking mind, and I went on her page, and I commented on all of her things, and I'm like, I have to stop. <laughs> I'm 35, and she's 12. And I'm like, what am I fucking doing? But I was like, who's feeding you this shit? Like, you, you can't think of that on your own. Someone said that to you. Like, you didn't, as a 12-year-old girl, you didn't just think that. Right. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. But yeah, uh, for the most part, it's it's positive And, like, they're showing a lot of cops doing fucked up shit on there. And I didn't, uh, wasn't TikTok the reason that a bunch of people didn't go to the Trump, one of the Trump rallies? Yeah, well, uh, so, yeah, I'm reading more about what was going on there. So, apparently, again, this is, I have no... I have no knowledge of how TikTok works, but apparently there's like, there's like weird TikTok and then ultra weird TikTok. There's all these little pockets of subcultures of subcultures within TikTok that I'm 
including brand TikTok, where I was reading an article about where they various people are pretending to be various brands and companies and then they're having relationships between each other. Oh. So like Wonder Bread is now like dating uh some kind of ice lolly or whatever whatever it is like all sorts of and there's like a whole story anyway but within that this movement started and then also the k-pop fans yes. were also they've been weirdly political politically active as a group because again this is sort of mo- highly motivated army of people who really know how the algorithms work you know because they've they've already been working it for years to get their favorite bands and singers to go viral they're like they know how to game the youtube algorithm they were they were the ones who were advising black lives matter people on how to get money off of youtube by there are like playlists of pro blm videos that are monetized and then the money gets donated to the various political action groups and and um social action groups and charities uh and they were the ones telling them like Here's what you need to do to make sure that this counts as being monetized. You need to play it in this way. You need to have the volume on your computer up to over something like 30%. I don't know. I can't remember what it is. Don't quote me on the specifics. But YouTube is aware. Oh, my God. It knows that. So if you want it to not be loud, you know, playing 24 hours, you've got to do something like put in headphones, like put in earbuds or, or have an external speaker and have that turned off because it knows if your internal speaker's turned on. And you know the screen needs to be on. There's all sorts of shit. That's but they wild. are. I didn't. Um, but uh, so all that was going on, and then yeah, when it came to the Trump rally, they were the ones mobilizing thousands of people to sign up for tickets. To now, here's the thing. They that by itself is not couldn't be fully responsible for it being empty because there wasn't an upper ceiling on the number of tickets. Um, you know, people sign up and it's mostly so that the campaign then has their phone number and their details and they can start, you know, trying to market to them and push things to them and get money off them. Um, but there wasn't... No one who wanted to go to that rally was told, sorry, it's sold out, you can't. And then two-thirds of them didn't show up. Like, that's not what happened. Yeah, yeah. Um, but on the other hand, it still made them look like shit because they, they were bragging that they had over a million people sign up and and then like 7,000 people appeared. Um, and also it cost them a load of money because they had to put on extra stuff because they thought more people were showing up. Like they had an outdoor stage that they then sadly packed away. That's so Uh, and extra security and marshals and all that. Yeah. So it definitely fucked them up. And also, maybe some people did stay away because of the numbers that were being reported. So maybe it did have an effect from that point of view. Maybe it did mean that, you know, some people who are maybe on the fence were like, ah, I don't really, I don't need to go because a million people are already going to be there. So it's not that important for me to go. And also a million people are going to be there. That's a little bit much in a pandemic. So maybe yeah. I'll stay. So may, maybe, it, maybe it stopped people from going to an extent. But I think more it just cost them money and cost them face it cost yeah, them embarrassment yeah I mean, it's, it's very embarrassing and i do enjoy that it's just yeah. also the whole thing either as a thing for historians to look at or imagine a time traveler even from 20 years ago appearing today you have to explain okay donald trump 
at a presidential rally during a world crippling viral epidemic was thwarted by fans of Korean pop music. Like, what? <laughs> what? 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 Yeah. I'm going back. I, yeah. <laughs> good night. I, I'm, yeah. Uh, yeah. Mostly teenage fans of Korean teenage, yeah. American teenage fans of Korean pop music. It would also be like telling someone that um, the the club of male fans of My Little Pony are admitting they have a Nazi problem. <laughs> what? Because <laughs> I think that's the opposite of K-pop people, right? The, that's, the uh, other thing the K-pop people did, which again, like this sort of army of young motivated activists, is when the the protests were first happening, um, and then you know uh, it was um, the various police forces were sort of trying to crack down and attacking them and so on, a few different police forces had websites they set up that were like, hey, if you got any footage of protesters uh, attacking the police or rioting or looting, upload it to this th- this web, web portal. And the, t- most, again, mostly teenage and young adult K-pop fans flooded those portals with fan cams. <laughs> <That's-> <laughs> so they just got thousands of videos of korean pop stars singing and dancing oh, that's so and had to close down the websites so amazing um See? that's great so, yeah, yeah what a treat young motivated activists go you um this this world that i'm now too old to understand but i i think i'm happy that it exists it seems okay um anyway i think so the results show the slit yeah <laughs> yeah the results show that modern sled dogs in greenland whose ancestors were taken there by inuit people around 850 years ago are more closely related to the 9500 year old zokov dog than to other kinds of dogs or to wolves it's largely the same dogs saying that doing the same thing said syndic while the Zokov finds are the earliest clear evidence of dogs pulling sh- sleds, ivory artifacts that may have been used to attach reins to sleds have been found elsewhere. Some are 12,000 years old. The genomes also show sled dogs haven't acquired any DNA from wolves in the past 9,500 years. The modern wolf is not in them, mm. says Syndic. This is surprising because there are numerous reports of sled dogs mating with wolves in Greenland your little horny ice dogs, and of hybrids being born. This suggests the hybrids have undesirable characteristics and aren't kept or allowed to mate with sled dogs. Syndic had hoped that this work might reveal more about the origins of the first dogs, but that remains a mystery. We know that their ancestors were a now extinct kind of wolf, but when and where they were first domesticated remains unclear. Some old, old dogs. (laughs) Some old horny perverted dogs, huh? <laughs> they can't help themselves. They just keep mating. They remind me of uh, call them road dogs. They're like old comedians. Those old yeah. fucks that go on the road that try to fuck everybody. That's them. That's who they are. <laughs> that's who those is that is that are. built into the to the definition of what a road dog is? It's trying to fuck. <laughs> I think it is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I, actually, back in the day, they were road wolves, and it's amazing how much they've changed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have a uh, follow-up little little trivia quiz for you guys. Do you believe one in Alaska that one can get a DUI while mushing a dog sled? Yes. Yes, I do. You think you can? I mean, I, only according to Reddit. I, I don't know if this is the case everywhere, but it says um, the first person who has been upvoted on Reddit says, in Alaska, uh, the answer is no. Really? Person, you have to be operating a motor vehicle. Um, 
or an aircraft or watercraft, which I guess are also motor vehicles. Interesting, because I thought you could get a DUI on a horse as well. You I can also get right. one on a bicycle, and a friend of mine well, in Toronto did. But that's not motorized. Well, it's also, but, well, no, not motorized. But I guess it, but, it is self-piloted, whereas maybe you could try and argue that, yeah, the dogs know the way home. But yeah, when I was I trying to find this quickly, my, my Googling did bring up a CBC article that got me super excited because the headline is just champion Alaska dog musher charged with drunk driving. And then the subtitle is Lance Mackey stopped for speeding in Fairbanks. I'm like, please tell me the dogs were going too fast. But of course, <laughs> yeah. he was just driving a car. But um, that would be Was amazing. the car being pulled by dogs? It could. <laughs> yes, it was, yeah. a, it was, a, it was a, a human centipede of dog, <laughs> car, human. Dogs in front, reindeer behind. Um, yeah, so I think uh, drink all you want and ride your dogs home. And train my dog to pull me on a longboard then. Ooh, yeah. Around Los Angeles, yeah. That won't be dangerous. I actually sprained my ankle and I've been having a really hard time walking her. So I was like looking for something with wheels in this house that I could get her just to pull me down to the park with. Did oh. not work. Too lazy? Well, there's nothing here. I, my my oh, parents oh, don't have a skateboard. If my dad had a skateboard, I'd fly home. If my 65-year-old dad started skateboarding, I'd call the police. <laughs> like, that's a problem. He's watching too many TikTok videos. I was going to say, he's gotten into K-pop. <laughs> yeah. God. Um, let's see. Matt, do you have a story? Well, a couple of people have sent in this story. This is a space story. I know uh, Justin Broad emailed it a few days ago, and then also we have... Um, it was tweeted at us by... Just recently by... Uh, Paul, is that Paul Clayton, it looks like, on Twitter. Um, and it's, uh, so a black neutron star discovery changes astronomy. Mm. Yeah, I, I can I can put this in the, there we go as well, let's see. Is that there, mm -hmm. so you can click on it if you, yes, it if you so choose, yeah. if you can, you can read along, you can follow it along at home. You can click on it yourselves as well if you're watching, we'll put the links in the show notes as always. So, this looks like it's some kind of halfway between a neutron star and a black hole in terms of mass um they've scientists have discovered an astronomical object that's never been observed before so um basically if a, if a star collapses if it's over a certain size it becomes a neutron star which is this absurdly dense we've talked about it actually a few weeks ago um i yeah. can't remember the exact statistic about how how much how massive a uh like a, a, a basically like a tennis ball size object of a neutron star is. So you see if you can find one of those analogies because it's it's absurd how much mass is packed into an area. But then if it's even bigger, it becomes a black hole. Uh, but somewhere in between them is this black neutron star, which was not thought possible and will uh, until recently and will mean ideas for how neutron stars and black holes form will need to be rethought. This BBC article says the discovery was made by an international team using gravitational wave detectors in the U.S. and Italy. Uh, Charlie Hoy, a PhD student from Cardiff University involved with the study, said the new discovery would transform our understanding. Said, we can't rule out any possibilities. We don't know what it is and why this is so exciting, because it really does change our field. So, Mr. Hoy is part of an international team working for the LIGO-Virgo Scientific Collaboration. You remember our LIGO friends? I really thought they were more Scorpios, but yeah. Yep. They're, uh, well, they're collaborating with the Virgos. They're okay. friends. Um, the international group, which has strong UK involvement, it had to add that because it's a BBC article, is backed by the Science and Technology Facilities Council. Um, 
has laser detectors several kilometers long that are able to detect minute ripples in space-time caused by the collision of massive objects in the universe. If you want to know how LIGO works in more detail, you can go way back into the archives. We have a few episodes with both um, uh, Jamie and Larry who worked on LIGO and then also Jan and Levin's couple of episodes where she talks about gravitational waves and what they are. Um, the collected data can be used to determine the mass of those objects involved. Last August, the instruments detected the collision of a black hole 23 times the mass of our sun with an object of 2.6 solar masses. So yeah, two and a, around two and a half size of the sun, uh, times the mass of the sun colliding with 23 times the mass of the sun, this black hole. That makes the lighter object more massive than the heaviest type of dead star or neutron star previously observed of just over two solar masses. But it was also lighter than the previous lightest black hole observed of around five solar masses. So it's stuck in this in between uh, area that astronomers called the mass gap. Oh. Um, By the, the way, recent... speaking of these masses, you were asking about the mass of neutron star material and a teaspoon would weigh 10 million tons. Okay, so that's, that's pretty... Yeah. It's relatively dense. Yeah, that seems like a lot. Um, so they wrote this up. It's in the Journal of Astrophysical Journal Letters. Uh, they, the researchers believe that of all the possibilities, the object is most likely to be a light black hole, but they are not ruling out other possibilities. Having collided with a large black hole, the object no longer exists. However, there should be further opportunities to learn about these mass-gapped objects from, further, from future collisions, according to Professor Stephen Fairhouse, who was also at Cardiff. He said, it's a challenge for us to determine what this is. Is this the lightest black hole ever or the heaviest neutron star ever? If it's a light black hole, then there is no established theory for how an object could develop, how such an object could develop. Hmm. Professor Fairhurst's college, colleague, uh, Professor Fabio Ant Antonioni, has proposed that a solar system with three stars could lead to the formation of light black holes. His ideas are receiving increased attention following the new discovery. If, however, this new class of object is a heavy neutron star, then the theories of how they form may also need to be revised. That's according to Professor Bernard Schultz of the Max Planck Institute in Potsdam. Uh, we, we don't know a lot about the nuclear physics of nu neutron stars, so people who are looking at exotic equations that explain what goes on inside them might be thinking, maybe this is evidence that we can get much heavier neutron stars. I think this is um, Professor Schultz talking. Sorry, I'm not doing the accent. <laughs> <laughs> but both, both black... Holes and neutron stars are thought to form when stars run out of fuel and die. If it's a very large star, it collapses to form a black hole, which is an object with such strong gravitational force that not even light can escape. If the starting star is below a certain mass, one option is for it to collapse into a dense ball composed entirely of particles called neutrons, which are found inside the heart of atoms. Um, oh, it's right here in the article. The exact same fact that one teaspoon would weigh 10 million tons. Uh. I think that's the go-to example for a neutron star. What is one ton? An elephant? Is that 2, what I've heard? 2,000 pounds, like um, two-thirds of a car. You, how much do cars usually weigh? 3,000 pounds? 4,000? I don't know. A lot, uh, but slightly less okay. than a car, <laughs> okay, I think. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I need, to, I need to have a visual of what a ton is for me to really see what's going on here. All right, let's, let's find out. Hang on. Uh, how 
The average car is 3,300 pounds. The average midsize sedan. So that's uh, over just over one and a half pounds. One over just over one and a half tons. Okay. Is a is a car. It says the average weight of a car. Yeah. Wait, there's a difference between tons, metric tons, and imperial tons, though, confusingly. Oh, yeah. Imperial tons are just 2,000 pounds, I believe. And I'm I don't guessing, know how this I'm is going to change my opinion on anything. I just I'm guessing a, a metric ton is 1,000 kilograms or not? 1,000 kilograms is a metric ton, which would be 2,200 pounds. Yeah, it's a, li- it's a little bit less. So, yeah, a car in metric tons is just oh, is like one and a, one and a, a third, roughly. Mm-hmm. One and a quarter, one and a third so that's on a, average. That's a big thing floating around up there then. So, well, not that it's imagine big, a that million it's cars, roughly. Yeah. In the size of a teaspoon. Huh. The actual star, a neutron star, can be like the size of a small city is all, but so dense, like, that there's more mass to it than our sun. I'm learning a lot. Yeah, I just looked up uh, that theory about the three stars creating them. I was like, well, are how rare are triple star systems? I guess they, they do exist. Ternary... I'm now on the Wikipedia for star systems. Yeah, triple, trinary, or ternary, if they contain three stars... Oh, Alpha Centauri is a triple star composed of a main binary yellow dwarf pair and an outlying red dwarf. I didn't know that. I didn't either. Alpha Centauri, the star we all know and love, is actually three stars. Wait, so is the North Star. Hold on a second. The star we all know and love. Like, am yeah. I the only one who didn't know? Well, the North Star I know. The other one I didn't know. You knew the North Star was three stars? No, no, no. I didn't know. I don't know anything. I didn't know the other star was a star that we all knew. I mean, I've heard of Alpha Centauri. I'm not sure why, but it's one of those, you know, I feel like it's one of the... um Top ten, mainstream, top 10 stars. mainstream. The top ten sexiest stars. stars in the sky. <laughs> yeah, yeah. By, by People magazine. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's always it always finds its way into the hot or not list yeah. under yeah. the hot column. And surprisingly, <laughs> why you can um, see it. They're just like us. I don't know if you knew that stuff. <laughs> yes. They are exactly like us. Yeah. yeah. They they're on TikTok. They're tweeting. They're uh, there's predators up there. There's a lot going on. Um. So, a, a, um, a neutron star also has powerful gravity pulling it together, but a force between the neutrons caused by quantum mechanical effect known as degeneracy pressure, which again, stars all have degeneracy pressure, uh, pushes the particles apart, counteracting the gravitational force. Current theory suggests that the gravitational force would overcome the degeneracy pressure if the neutron star were much larger than two solar masses, which would cause it to collapse into a black hole. According to Professor Nils Anderson of Southampton University, if the mystery object is a heavy neutron star, then the theorists will have to rethink what goes on in those objects. Nuclear physics is not a precise science when we know everything, he said. We don't know how nuclear forces operate under the extreme conditions you need inside a neutron star, so every single current theory we, we have of what goes on inside of one has some uncertainty. And Professor Sheila Rowan, director of the University of Glasgow's Institute for Gravitational Research, said that discovery challenges current theoretical models. More cosmic observations and research will need to be undertaken to establish whether this new object is indeed something that has never been observed before, or whether it may instead be the lightest black hole ever detected. Hmm. Hmm. I'm, hoping, I'm hoping for a light black hole. I'm hoping for something not detected. It's fun to find something new up there and poke around yeah. at it. It really is. I... I mean, I don't know yeah, if they poke it. I'm not really sure what, what they do with it. I think you can give it a little poke. <laughs> <laughs> you just put your hand outside of the space shuttle or whatever goes on up there. And just, you just one little poke and you're like, yeah, 
Yeah, it feels yeah. like an old sponge. All right, we're heading back. <laughs> I don't know I mean, how anything up there works. <laughs> well, you know, no one's... I, I, there are some, you know, strong scientific theories as to what would happen if you were to poke a black hole, but no one's done it. Isn't that Jim Croce song about not doing that? I, I don't, don't, I don't, I don't, don't know the reference. I'm sorry. Cape, I know. also don't know the reference. It doesn't matter. It's not a, it's basically the same. He wrote Bad, Bad Levi Brown twice, basically, but the second one, he came up with a different character name. It doesn't matter. Um, Matt, do you want to do one more? When you said uh, Justin Broad and Space, I assumed you were doing a different story. Do we have time for another space story that's more upper alley? I, I think, I think we do. Or do you have another one lined up? Sorry. Well, I've got there's there's a, a a ketamine story that was sent in by um let me see who who sent it in. The only problem is it was sent in by Sean Gordon, but uh but he sent a link to the actual article in Nature rather than the press release, and oh that's uh oh it's a pretty it's a still not good enough to to be able to read a scientific an actual paper rather than the easier version where it has gone through the filter of right. a PR department right filling it in and then and then someone a new scientist or scientific American or what have you then writing it again. Uh, Let's see if I can find a um Oh wait, I found uh, uh something on zmescience.com that might be the more layperson friendly version of that if you want. Basically, I- oh yeah, have you cuz it looks like in this study they basically put some sheep into a k-hole yep that's the one i found all Just right let's, let's hear the easy version of this then yes. rather than the one that has so a lot hi, of ecg data high doses of ketamine but now i don't know how i pronounce it i'm pronouncing it the way you do do i say ketamine or ketamine i say ketamine i think when i'm ordering it um <laughs> cause some sheep to enter the k-hole a near-death experience like state their brain activity tells a compelling story uh, so ketamine is a highly effective anesthetic and analgesic used in both medicine and veterinary medicine. Most recently, the drug has gained attention as a novel treatment for depression and post-traumatic stress disorder, often easing symptoms when no other conventional therapies seem to work. Outside medicine and academia, ketamine is also a very popular recreational drug. Its users find the drug appealing due to, his, due to its dissociative state. Some of its psychic effects include perceptual distortions, sensations of floating, vivid dreams or illusions, distortion of sense of time and space, and alterations in mood state and body awareness. Uh, When ketamine is abused at very high doses, users can enter a state known as the K-hole, in which both awareness of... awareness of... and self... and... I'm guessing it's supposed to be awareness of self and surrounding, as as well as interactions with others, become profoundly impaired... The sensation is sometimes described as a near-death experience, fun, uh, which drives some recreational ketamine users to want to repeat the experience. Really? Um, Now scientists have an idea of what goes on inside the brain during this intriguing psychic state. In a new study, neuroscientists at the University of Cambridge, hey, Matt, uh, investigated the brain activity of 12 sheep that were administered various doses of ketamine. I feel like I really wasted my time there. I could have been giving (laughs) ketamine sheep to sheep. Uh-huh. Uh, the researchers chose sheep because ketamine is routinely used as a large animal anesthetic and its effects are very well understood. But that's not all. The brain of a sheep is large and complex, equipped with gyren, gyroencephalic cerebral cortex and basal ganglia that are anatomically similar to those of non-human primates. 
Sheep have also been recognized as a suitable species for preclinical models of human neurological disorders. In other words, the effects of ketamine in the sheep brain might very might be very similar to what occurs in the human brain. So over a period of several months, the researchers studied the cortical encephalography, electroencephalography, oh, EEG, response of the sheep at different doses of ketamine up to 24 milligrams per kilogram. This analysis revealed the EEG signatures that characterized the sedative effects of ketamine in which low-frequency activity dominated over other brain waves. Perhaps more interestingly, the researchers also identified two distinct brain activity patterns that underlie the psychic experiences associated with ketamine. Quote, the first is a distinct and characteristic alternating oscillatory state whereby the output of the whole cortex switches between coordinated bursts of low and high-frequency oscillations. The authors wrote in a study published in Nature, this alternating EEG rhythm is likely responsible for the dissociative effects of ketamine, which users experience as hallucinations. Quote, while the, subject, while the subjective experience of sheep cannot be determined, obviously, uh, the clinical and psychic profile of ketamine administration is very well described in humans, and the timing makes it likely that this oscillation of oscillations underlies the dissociative state caused by ketamine. I mean, this is all very interesting, but did it make them dance? <laughs> this is what we want to know. Did all yeah. the sheep have pacifiers? I, yeah, did they um, hop over a fence at Bonnaroo and fuck a guy in a wheelchair um, porta potty? That's what I want to know. That's <laughs> my only experience on K is watching my friend do that, and uh, <laughs> that's how I that's how I see K now. And 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 then her pretty much being a corpse the next morning. Like I peeled her eyes open, and they were so far in the back of her head. I thought I had to give her mouth to mouth. She's fine. Oh, She's yeah. fine. She yeah, loved yeah. it. She had a great time. So I'm sure it's uh, these sheep are having a blast. Yeah, I, I really. Also, isn't there a risk that if uh, a bunch of ketamine dosed sheep jump over the fence to go and fuck a guy, that would send anyone watching it to sleep? To sleep, of course. Yeah, 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 yeah. If yeah. <laughs> you guys um, okay, I've never done. I mean, now I kind of want to. If the sheep can handle it, let's see if I can. Well, yeah, there's been I, other articles. Um, I, there was one that we covered a while ago about how ketamine can act as an antidepressant in a couple of doses. It seems crazy that something that's such a depressant it makes it simulates death is an antidepressant. But yeah, that's maybe so if you see your own death, you don't want to reset. do it anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you see what you would look like when you die, and you're like, "Oh, this doesn't look good." And then you wake <laughs> up, and then you're like. Let's go back Let's to that, that body. for a while. But it's 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 not. It doesn't sort of simulate death. It's dis, it's dissociative. It sort of separates right, right. senses from each other. But I guess I so always thought that a I could see how that... that could maybe have an effect on clinical depression, where it True. just sort of gives gives an external sort of an external perspective on an internal problem. But I'm mm -hmm. guessing that the clinical doses to treat PTSD and depression are probably not trying to get you to the point that you're in a K-hole. But I, I don't know if that's true, actually. No, I'm not okay. I'm not sure if that is the case. I think you might be wrong about that. I feel like PTSD holes are bad on their own, too. I mean, I don't really know, but I feel like, you know, we, when you, we've all had something tragic happen in our lives and we rethink about that. If I could take K to get the image that I have in my head right now out, I would. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Does that make sense? It's just, it, I just can't think of a lot of psychological phenomena described as holes that are good things. You know, it's, it just sounds like a thing you're trying to avoid. Just the, term, um, the layman's terminology of it. You're in the fun hole now. Yeah. yeah. You're in a, you're, you fell into a really productive hole. <laughs> yeah, I kind of like being in a hole. 
they could be a good thing or just, you know, sometimes just digging a hole and sitting in it. It kind of feels nice. Sure. Uh, this article that. does, at the bottom, does link to two other articles on the same website also about how ketamine may have an effect on both depression and PTSD. Um, mm. So, yeah, in, in terms of depression, it seems to affect a small part of the brain called the lateral uh, habernula, also known as the anti-reward center. And It's um, A-U-N-T-I-E, right? It's yes, as, it, as in the sort of opposite sibling. of the reward center, the thing that sort of associates certain stimuli with unpleasant events like the absence of a reward or punishment especially when those are unpredictable so not a u-n-t-i-e then yes not okay. an auntie or an auntie like in in poker yeah neither hmm. um well, well yeah let's um I mean, maybe that's the key to everybody uh, overcoming our COVID depression. Is I just, mean, yeah, I would, I'd be down to try some K right now, get in some kind of hole, because whatever hole I'm in now, it doesn't seem like it's that good. Yeah, well, I think oh, okay, we're all so, in a hole. Yeah. Oh, everyone's in a hole. <laughs> so the, um, the way this, the anti-reward center works, it, it described the lateral habernula, or habernula, I, apologies, I don't know. Um, but it, it says, for example, um, if a rat or a mouse solves a maze, it will expect some sort of reward. If the rodent doesn't get a reward, even though it had successfully completed a task, the neurons from the from the lateral herbanula will fire, thus inhibiting the activity of the reward areas. So in other words, it's like um, you've come to associate a certain series of actions with a positive stimulus, mm-hmm. and if that oh, and if that positive thing doesn't happen as a result of this effect this area of the brain fires up so i guess that corresponds with sort of depression of like hey in the, when i was young i lived my life like this and good things happened and now i'm also doing what i think should result in the good things and it hasn't so, so this part of my brain is firing into and making me and inhibiting the reward center in other words i feel shit because i'm not getting good st- uh, because i'm not getting stuff rather than because bad stuff is happening um, okay. and it seems like ketamine may have an effect on resetting that part of the brain. Cool. I'm I'm for it. I'm also for it. Let's get K. Let's all get in the K hole together. <laughs> Let's drive up to Andy in the desert and we get fucked on K and just fuck a succulent or do whatever the hell you do up there. Suck, suck a fucculent. Either one. Yeah. yeah. Suck on a fucculent. Do you, do you, do you have like a, a cactus kit in your desert house now andy have you got your sort of tweezers your spine removal before you no but before you got on i was lamenting that i have a view from where i'm sitting in the kitchen of my first failure of uh horticulture in this house which is i fucking killed a succulent in the desert i managed to not water a succulent enough and it just in like the span of two days it withered to a like it's a third of the size it's completely gone it's, it's, you no don't hope. think it couldn't survive? It won't sort of come back into I, bloom? I, is not- I, I watered it the last two nights after... I mean, it's been 102 every day for a week here. And oh, I, 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 I've been meaning to water as soon as the sun goes down the five things that I planted, three of which are thriving, two of which are thriving, one of which is okay, two of which are kind of like, uh, there's a pine tree I planted. It's still got some green on it, but I think it's not going to make it through the summer. Um, the actual cactus I planted is killing it, but this other... Um, I don't know if it's sort of in the aloe family, but it just, it's not happy with me. I think it's gone. So 
pour one out for I should have poured one out a couple days ago for this guy, but I don't have <laughs> is the kit you said it's a kit for like removing thorns or spikes or whatever? Matt, did we lose Matt? Yeah, yeah, no, oh, I'm, I'm still here. Um, yeah, because um, the uh, the Airbnb that we might go to to get a little bit of a breakaway that has prided itself on it's so weird now. Now, if you look at Airbnb listings, one of the pictures is just a shelf of disinfectants. Uh, That's so <laughs> it's funny. Like, we use all of this bleach, um, but one of the things because it's in Joshua Tree is. Uh, we have a, a cactus and spine removing kit in case you or your pet happens to step on a cactus. Oh, yeah. Oh. My dog f- fully ate a cactus and I had to peel like 10 or 12 quills out of her mouth and lips. She didn't even notice or care. She kept eating the cactus. So turns out they don't really affect the animals that badly. <laughs> yeah. You didn't jump straight to peeing on her? Um, <laughs> no is that your first move when somebody's injured no, 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 like, bring just, out the just, dick get the piss going <laughs> you got, is that a sliver get your dick out gotta <laughs> pee that thing right out I don't know you do things up there in Joshua Tree Andy, but here in Canada we use tweezers okay so, okay yeah you I use tweezers like to get your dick out of... to piss on them yes <laughs> yes I can't piss unless I'm holding my dick with tweezers <laughs> There's no other way. Um, well, we should uh, we should r- wind things up, but should we try and should we try and do one extra little story for the Patreon? Sure, uh, let's do that. Yeah, patrons. Um, but as far as the main episode goes, we should probably wrap it up. And uh, Steph, where can our listeners find out more about you and your? What's your TikTok? <laughs> What's your science humor? <laughs> um, no, everything is uh, at Steph Tolev T O L E V. Um, yeah, don't follow me on TikTok. I need Instagram followers. Leave leave the TikTok for the kids who don't find me funny. Uh, or Twitter, I'm at Step Toilet. Very hilarious. <laughs> Very hilarious name still to me. Um, yeah, that's that's me. So please do that. Please follow Steph. I I highly recommend her dispatches from the woods. Yeah, thank you. Um. It's just a lot of fake beards and it wigs really on a boat. I'm about to who's, go put some on right now, yeah. Who's, uh, whose boat is it? My parents. They got a pontoon boat that, I don't know if it's like a, a past midlife crisis thing. I'm not really sure. It's, uh, it seems like a relatively unstable thing for parents to be out and about on. Wait, which boat are you talking about? The, oh, no, the, the, oh, the thing I was paddling on? No, no, they've got yeah. a pretty secure boat. They've got like a big... Oh, okay giant thing for their old asses to sit on oh perfect yeah um well go and find both both uh boats um you can find us probablyscience.com uh, at probably science on twitter uh individually at andy t wood and at matt kershon probably science.com is also where you can find all of the show notes with the stories we've covered links to those if you want to read more in depth and also our donation buttons through PayPal and Patreon. Uh, probably size at gmail.com is the email address if you want to send us any stories, questions, comments, clarifications, um, and so on. Uh, Steph, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. sounds reassuring. Then, yeah. Thank you. For, yeah, I agree. We're going um, gonna to do one extra story, if that's okay, if you have time for that. Yeah, I've got like five minutes. I have another fucking call oh, I have shit. to do. Yeah. Let's just do space poop then. That's pretty quick. Yeah, let's do that. Matt? Yeah. No, or is that too dumb? No, is that, is that the Justin Broad space toilet?
Yeah, $23 million space toilet. Yeah, let's do that. Hey, hey, Patreon patrons, this is a quick little bonus story. I know we haven't done one for a while, but um, there's a space toilet, and we couldn't not give that to you. We, we'd ran out of time on the main episode, and we thought you deserve to hear this story about NASA's new $23 million space toilet that will be on the American module of the ISS for testing before NASA puts it on crewed vehicles for deep space mission- missions. Are you talking about the Universal Waste Management System? Yes, I am. The UWMS. <laughs> uh, I don't know. what. How much? What's the most you've ever spent on a toilet there, Steph? I've never bought a toilet. Um, no, so I don't really I. know how much they... Co- I bought a, a toilet seat cover and it was only 10 bucks, so that excited me. Ooh. I just bought two bidets. Two? Oh, you did? Two. Toilet? Oh, you two toilet? Yeah, yeah, out here in the <laughs> desert. Like, I, I think you have, you have one toilet, but you've got a really dirty asshole, so you need the double, <laughs> double pressure. Double action. Both, yeah. It's a binary uh, solar system yeah. situation. Well, there's one for each accept- <laughs> What's that? Yeah, one for each part. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I'm on a septic system here, so I figure whatever I can do to discourage people from throwing extra things in the toilet is, is good. That makes but sense. But yeah. This is a $23 million toilet um, scheduled to be delivered to the ISS in a Northrop Grumman Cygnus cargo capsule in September. And unlike the two bespoke versions currently on the space station, NASA's new toilet is designed to work with a variety of future future crewed spacecraft. In the near term, it'll be installed on Orion, the capsule that'll carry NASA astronauts to the moon in just a few years. Melissa McKinley, who leads the NASA team working on the UW. MS says that the toilet may also eventually be used in crewed lunar landers, crewed as in C R E W E D. Just giving it a crack. Yeah. Uh, or in spacecraft headed to Mars. But before that happens, NASA is sending it to the ISS for a three year test to make sure everything works as planned. It's a compact white cylinder that shares many features with NASA's previous space toilet designs. It's got a funnel for suctioning pee, obviously, a removable waste compactor where astronauts drop their droppings, <laughs> and a seat with a protruding lip around a small around the small opening to help an astronaut aim. One of the biggest differences in the new toilet is that it's compact and completely self-contained, where the old ISS system was hidden behind the bulkhead and made repairs difficult. So it also has a system built in that pre-treats urine before passing it off to the space station's life support system to be recycled for water. Excellent. But here's the big improvement. Uh, it was changing the design to better meet the needs of female crew members. It's more complex for female crew to urinate and defecate at the same time because of the placement of the urine funnel and where they have to place themselves to do defecation. Says McKinley, there was a proximity issue, so the seat and the urine funnel have both been engineered to improve the experience for female crew. Nice. There's, there's a photo of it, by the way, and it doesn't look that high tech. Doesn't I'm look say, $23 million, no. Let me have a peek at this. I don't get why they're pee and poo isn't just going out into space am i stupid or what like what's what is it going to do out there float around but you're saying you don't get why they don't like stick their ass out the door and just poo into space <laughs> no, no, why it's like, just like they poo in it? thing and then they just yeah just ejects out well i mean they don't want to waste the water in urine because you could filter that and drink that again well what, what, why do they need water why can't they just poo into a bag and pee into a bag <laughs> Has no one else ever peed in the bag before? I mean... Yeah. I mean, like like I'm saying, they're wasting water if they let urine get away. So they want to save urine. And then, uh, I don't know if this this isn't being done yet. Yeah, they recycle it to drink it. The water from it. Yeah. Oh, well, that's too much. I mean, maybe they should just figure out the water situation before they have to drink their own pit. Well, when you think about every... I forgot what it is, but doesn't every kilogram that you bring up into space cost like 
$10,000 or something. Maybe less than that. That's wild. But, yeah. Has yeah. this put you off the idea of going into space, Steph? It really has. I don't like the siphoning. Like, it's just this little toy that looks very uncomfortable to sit on. I need a nice... I need a nice area. I can't be sitting on that. It's like when people poo and, and over like holes in the ground in some places. I can't do this. I need a nice sit. I need to relax. I can't. There's no like, uh, this seems insane. You're pooing into like a very tiny hole with a very bad, very bad seat. Yeah, I think that's the main thing that really puts most people off their NASA career. I mean, is it a bad <laughs> yeah. seat? In, I, I would I would posit that there's no such thing as a bad seat in zero gravity because you're not putting any weight on it. So Oh, that's oh, true. Oh, I guess you're hovering. I didn't realize you hover and, and pee and poo. Literally hovering. I mean, hopefully it's sucking you onto it so you're not, you know, you want to have some... Well, I reckon there's probably some foot straps is my guess. I bet there's like a little foot loop that you put your shoes underneath. Yeah. Are you, oh, why yeah. Are you wearing, why are you wearing shoes on a space well, station? your feet, your socks, yeah. your stocking feet. <laughs> Yeah, you, there's. Uh, it's, this seems like a lot. I mean, it, it feels like a lot of money for something that looks like that. Add a little pizzazz if you're going to do all that. Right. Yeah, like like I keep seeing like in uh, Innovations magazine, there's those sort of light up toilet seats that have different neons. Oh well, yeah, you fun. know what? I bought one of those. Then never put it on. It was like five bucks on Amazon. It's just sitting in a closet somewhere. Oh man! So wait, is it, it lights up the inside of the toilet? That seems yeah. Like, like so, if you didn't want to turn on the bathroom light to go in the, pee in the middle of the night or something, it just hangs God, over the edge. Annie, you could have been you could have been peeing in the night like a rock star all these years, and you <laughs> yeah. just. I honestly really like pooing in the dark. Am I the only one? It's kind of relaxing. <laughs> I, I, I'm not sure I've ever done that. I, you I, never I, poo I, in the dark in, a, in complete darkness. I mean, like, you can turn know. on the light after when you need to wipe, but, like, the initial <laughs> shit is very relaxing to be in complete and utter darkness. I mean, I'm going to try it tonight. I'll, sure, why not? Am I revealing a secret that no one else has done? Because I, I mean, I feel like I poo in the dark quite a bit. It might yeah, be no, I, I'm, I'm sure technology. you're not the only one amongst our listeners. Listeners, if, if you are in that same club, then please email in and let us know and... Let me know I'm not alone here. I don't want to be uh, the lone I'm wolf. I'm sure you're not alone. I'm sure you're not <laughs> in the dark here. Uh, by the way, when they installed this second toilet, so uh, it wasn't designed to sit next to the existing toilet. So the, the astronauts had to like be plumbers for a minute and put in the new toilet. And while they were taking the old one out, the old one sprung a leak and spilled a few liters of water before it was fixed. So that can't be good in oh, zero gravity. Oh, just then floats around in globules. Yeah. Um, let's see if it has any more details on what makes this $23 million. Let's not. Okay, uh, no. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think we do need to wrap it up. We will put yeah. a link to the story as well. And then, um, again, please do let us know if, if you're a dark pooper. Yeah, if, yeah. You're, if you're a darkness pooper. It's kind of nice. Um, so, yeah, email in. again, Steph, Steph Tolov, thank you so much for joining us. Listeners, thank you so much for joining us, particularly patrons, patron, yes, patrons. Yes. Thank you for your patronage. Thank you. And, <laughs> and, and uh, Tony's car has not arrived. Um, the Illuminati is asking him to send his ID now to get it out of storage. I'm like, Tony, oh, no. you got to walk away. I'll, I'll give more walk. updates later, but um, my oh, neighbor thinks no. he's joining the Illuminati and getting a million dollars in a car, and I keep telling him he's being scammed. Tony, Tony, oh, Tony. God. Yeah. All right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Updates to come. Listeners, thank you. We'll see yeah. you next time. Bye. Bye.